October 1971 is a monumental time in the history of Walt Disney World. Life in Central Florida changed in the blink of an eye, and the draw of what would become the vacation capital of the world was like a magnet. This week, we will take a look at the attractions and accommodations available at Walt Disney World on opening day. This is episode 28 of Disney Conversations for the week of October 24th, 2021. I'm your host, Magical Matthew Wallace, and I'm really glad you're here. Welcome aboard. You know, when I think back 50 years of Walt Disney World, I can't help but wonder how much I would have loved it back then. My parents always said that we'd make a trip down there sometime, but it never happened. It wasn't until 1982 that I had the pleasure of getting to Walt Disney World. But I've often wondered what it would have been like to be there. I've often wondered what it would be like to be there on that opening day, October 1st, 1971. I have no doubt that the opening of Walt Disney World had an almost immediate impact on the life of those in Orlando, Florida and the Central Florida area. After all, that area was probably not really on too many people's minds back in that day. More people were interested in going to the beaches and using fancy resorts. And as far as anyone knew, Central Florida was just a bunch of swampland, unusable, unable to be developed. Until one man, Walt Disney, decided it was worth looking into. And he got the right people around him to make it happen. Today on Disney Conversations, I want to take a look back at the opening day 50 years ago and talk a little bit about the attractions, the shops, the restaurants, the resorts, and other things that were available 50 years ago when Walt Disney World first opened. You know, I don't know about you, but I know for me that when I walk around Main Street USA, I often wonder, what was here back then? As I did research for this, I was amazed to find out that more Things in Walt Disney World at the Magic Kingdom are still in use today than what I originally thought. For instance, the Walt Disney World Railroad was only making round-trip journeys at that time. That would have allowed the visitor to get a visual overview of all the things the Magic Kingdom had to offer. And that wasn't the only way to get around Magic Kingdom. Other forms of transportation were put to use as well many of them based on antique style vehicles. For instance, they have a fire truck. It's an old style pumper truck and you're allowed to ride on that down Main Street to get to the castle. They have horse-drawn streetcars that use the rail that goes down the center. They used to run more than one at a time and that's why you see the little split about halfway down so that they can pass each other without colliding. I think that's pretty cool. I would have enjoyed that time. They also have jitney vehicles, which are just little four-seater cars that have very small engines in them. I think they make a little bit of noise, if I recall correctly. And then they also have the Omnibus, which is basically an old-style double-decker bus from roughly the 1890s. And you know, when we walk into Magic Kingdom now, we really just see one big gift store, which was an original shop in 1971, the Emporium. It has grown over the years. It has taken over more storefronts. 
some of which we're probably going to talk about right now. If you wanted to do your shopping along Main Street USA, they had shops for just about everything you ever needed. They had a market house. They had a camera center. I've used that camera center once or twice back in the 80s, and it was fully equipped to handle any question, any need, even film development while you were in Magic Kingdom. You had the House of Magic, a penny arcade which had some old-style machines that you could literally put a penny in. Some of them you would have to turn a crank to see what was going on inside. The Main Street Confectionery is available. It was there in 1971 and recently has come out of a refurbishment. So I'm not real sure exactly what that's going to include as I have not seen it yet. The Main Street Bakery is still there. I believe that's where you go to get your Starbucks now, but I seem to remember back in the day, that's where you would go to get the huge cinnamon rolls, and I've had one of those. They're really, really good. They had the New Century Clock Shop where you could actually buy timepieces of any kind, most of which would hang on your wall. They had the Main Street Cinema where they would run some of the old-time Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, the Fabulous Five, cartoons but that was a fun place to go and sit you could get out of the sun for a little bit cool off and develop some memories with everything that's being shown in there if you were hungry the best place to go to eat on main street usa was the crystal palace that is still there today they just recently started serving buffet again we're still in the pandemic era at this point but you can see Pooh and friends in there once they come back to being part of it. Back then, I'm not sure if they had any characters or not, but I've eaten at Crystal Palace a couple of times. I actually do like it. If you wanted to just grab something quick, you could grab something from the Coca-Cola corner, which was right at the end of Main Street USA. Now, we're going to go kind of counterclockwise around the park because often when I go to Magic Kingdom, that is where I start my time. So we're going to take a little walk over to Tomorrowland and on opening day 1971 in Tomorrowland they offered the Skyway to Fantasyland which was basically a, a sky lift. You would sit in the seat it would take you up I don't know how far maybe 30-40 feet over the Magic Kingdom. It would take you over to Fantasyland and you could see everything underneath you through that area. Grand Prix Raceway was there on opening day, and it is still there today in some form. If you were interested in shopping, you would go to Mickey's Mart store, and dining was able to be accomplished at the Tomorrowland Terrace Restaurant, which today is primarily used as a dessert party location for the Castle Fireworks shows. When you wander over to Fantasyland, you find out that the Dumbo Flying Elephants were an original attraction in 1971, as was the Mad Tea Party, Snow White's Adventures, and Cinderella's Royal Carousel, and a very, very huge fan favorite, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. The Mickey Mouse Review was being done during that time in 1971, and that was primarily an audio animatronics show. And then another fan favorite, still in existence today, It's a Small World, was also available in Fantasyland. And of course, if you wanted to take a quick lift back over to Tomorrowland, you could jump on the Skyway from the Fantasyland station. If you needed to get something to eat, if you were hungry in that area, 
you would visit Pinocchio's Village House Restaurant. Liberty Square offered the original Hall of Presidents. Again, a great place to go to cool off if it's a little warm. Today, this is still a show that I highly recommend as it is basically a walk through the history of America to get a glimpse of the presidents and a little bit about what they were all about. So that was an original attraction in 1971, as was probably one of the largest fan favorites, the Haunted Mansion. I don't know about you, this is a must-do for me every time I go to Magic Kingdom. I love this attraction, and it is very much, very much an astounding place to be. I, I sometimes still wonder how they pull off everything they do inside that attraction. A shopping area in the Liberty Square part of the park would be at the Heritage House. And if you wanted something to eat, Columbia Harbor House, one of my favorites, and Liberty Tree Tavern were available. Now located nearby, but not really related to a specific land, at least not at that point, was the Country Bear Jamboree. I still enjoy Country Bear Jamboree. It's a little old fashioned, but it's entertaining. It's a lot of fun. And it's a true testament to the power of audio animatronics as you probably see quite a few going on in there. It just really shows you how Walt Disney Imagineering keeps things going. Frontierland attractions were the Frontier Shooting Gallery, which I believe is still being used, at least sometimes, the Mike Fink Keel Boats, and the Diamond Horseshoe Review, which just recently started back up, so I'd like to get down and see that sometime. Shopping could be done at the Frontierland Trading Post, and if you wanted to grab a meal, Pecos Bill's Cafe. I know that's a favorite for many people now. Or if you just wanted to grab a snack or a quick soft drink, you could also do that at the Mile Long Bar. That I'm not certain if it's still around or not. Wander into Adventureland. In 1971, you could do the Jungle Cruise. You also had the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. And you had the Sunshine Pavilion, which featured the Enchanted Tiki Birds. Still going today. Again, another good place to go if you want to cool off for a little bit. I will admit, though, that this is one that I don't have to do every time. There were no shops in this area for opening day, but if you wanted to grab something to satisfy your hunger, you could do so at the Adventureland Veranda Restaurant. And then probably one of the main and most popular eateries in all of Magic Kingdom would have been at Cinderella Castle at King Stefan's Banquet Hall. If it's anything like Cinderella's Royal Table is now, it was probably a pretty good-sized meal. Now, if you wanted to stay on the property at Walt Disney World, there were really only two choices at the time of opening. The Contemporary Resort opened in 1971, and it was considered an architectural marvel. It was a completely modular design. The resort was brought in on flatbed trucks, and literally lifted up on a crane and slid into place. So that's one of the reasons it's shaped the way it is. But I love the design of the Contemporary Resort, and I love the fact that the monorail, which did begin operating on day one, had the ability then, and still does now, make a pass through the Contemporary Resort. I still find that to be kind of cool. I'm sure back then there were people that were ooing and aahing all over the place when that happened. The other resort, which brought a tropical flair to Walt Disney World, would have been the Polynesian Village Resort. A lot of people equate this to Hawaii, 
and I think that's with good reason. It's recently undergone a pretty good size refurbishment, and they actually restored the name to the original Polynesian Village Resort. That's kind of nice that they've gone back to where they started. If you wanted to visit the Magic Kingdom on October 1st, 1971, prices were staggering for the time. I look at it now and I laugh, but I have to keep in mind that this was 50 years ago. The value of a dollar was a whole lot different then than it is now. To start with, if you wanted to park at the Transportation and Ticket Center, it cost you a whopping 50 cents a car. I don't know if that was a stretch for people back then or not, but considering it's $25 a car now, that kind of gives you a perspective. The cost of the book of tickets depended on which type of adventure you were looking for. They had a seven adventure ticket book that would cost $4.75 for adults, $4.25 for juniors, and $3.75 for children. The 11 adventure ticket for adults was $5.75, juniors was $5.25, and children was $4.75. Now these did include your admission to Magic Kingdom, the proper number of adventures, whether 7 or 11, and it included transportation, particularly on the monorail. Now general admission, if you didn't want to do any of the rides, was $3.50 per adult, $2.50 for juniors, and $1 for children. I don't know about where you guys grew up, but where I grew up, that was uh, pretty close to what it cost to go to the county fair. But that ticket also included use of the transportation system, admission to Magic Kingdom, and you could take in all of the free shows and exhibits and entertainment that were available. That would be in your stage shows, things of that nature. That's it for our look back at the Magic Kingdom for October 1st, 1971. Let's go ahead and jump into the news for this week. Disney Genie Plus and Lightning Lane just started service last Tuesday. Well, there was a big uproar that took place when people were realizing they were getting charged tax on top of the charges, whether it be the $15 for the Disney Genie Plus or whatever the cost would have been for the individual attractions for Lightning Lane. The basic Disney Genie Plus has now gone up to $15.98, which will now include the tax that was added on top before. Some of the individual attraction selections also increased by about a dollar per attraction. However, there was one exception. Rise of the Resistance has stayed at the $15 mark so far. So maybe somebody thought that was high enough, at least for now. Starting January 14th of 2022, the Epcot International Festival of the Arts will be running. And that will run through February 21st, 2022. And returning to America's Garden Theater this year will be the Disney on Broadway series. This has been a favorite of many visitors, and I'm sure this return will be well received. And of course, there'll be a large selection of things to eat along the way from the food studios that will be located around World Showcase. There will be chalk art taking place along the walkways, and those will be turned into masterpieces. And special festival merchandise will be available throughout this event as well. Now you may have heard tell of the augmented reality lenses that are now part of your Walt Disney World experience. This service is provided through Disney Photo Pass service and Snap. It will enhance your photo experience with some new surprises. You can get a picture with the birthday cake Cinderella Castle, 
There are some other fun pictures that take place in different locations. These are only available through the My Disney Experience app as a part of your Disney Genie Plus service purchase. Select pictures using these lenses will be complimentary through the Snapchat app. If you're like me and really enjoy watching Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, then it's probably a must-do for you this year, as Disney Cruise Lines will have a cruise ship float as a part of the parade, and it will be making its very first appearance this year. This float has been inspired by the soon-to-set-sell Disney Wish and is titled Magic Meets the Sea. It will set sail along the parade route, sporting Mickey-inspired colors, the familiar red funnels that we see on the Disney cruise ships, and the delicate design elements which are included on the ship's hull. Many of our Disney friends will be flanking the ship, I mean float, as they make their way through the streets of New York City, so that'll make that really fun. And finally today, I want to share a little something about the soul of jazz, an American adventure. If you've had an opportunity to see this at Epcot, you have some idea of what it's all about. This exhibit is going to start traveling very soon to different museums around the country. The artwork for the soul of jazz will make its way to the New Orleans Jazz Museum on October 26th, 2021. From there, it will go to the American Jazz Museum in Kansas City on December 10th, 2021. And finally, it is scheduled to be at the National Jazz Museum in Harlem sometime in February 2022. If you're somewhere where you can take the opportunity to see this exhibit, I would highly recommend it as it is a beautiful exhibit. Well, that brings things to a close for this episode of Disney Conversations. And I want to remind you that this is a Disney fan podcast. So I really want to hear from you, the listener. I want your input on what content you would like to hear about. Or even more importantly, if you have something you would like to share, I would love to talk to you about that. If you would like to start a conversation with me, by all means, please contact me at DisneyConversations at Outlook.com and we could connect and make a plan to have that conversation. But for now, until next time, my friends, I hope you have a magical week because we're going to do this again next week. Until then, GTFN. You can listen to Disney Conversations, a Disney fan podcast, on all of the major podcast platforms. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, would you mind stopping by and leaving us a five-star rating? It would be a tremendous help. If you would like to support the show, please visit Magical Matthew Travel, where you will get your free, no-obligation quote for Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Lines, and Adventures by Disney. Contact them today at magical underscore Matthew at Outlook.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Until then, TTFN. Thank you.